you are listening to a podcast from joettecalabrese.com, where nationally certified American homeopath, public speaker, and author Joette Calabrese shares her passion for helping families stay healthy through homeopathy and nutrient-dense nutrition. Hello, this is Jendi, and I am here with Joette Calabrese. And today she has a story for us about a homeopathy cure. Is that right? Yep, that's my plan. Yep. I like to hear a good story. What do you have for us? Well, I could write a book on the subject of cures from using homeopathic medicine, and I could actually author volumes on the subject of how and when homeopathy works when all else has failed. I actually had forgotten about the one I'm going to relate today because it was a personal suffering that was so old, you know, we humans don't generally ponder all of our sufferings, we let them go. Otherwise, we're basically doomed to chronic thoughts of misery, and that's not a good human condition. Yeah, I understand that, and I think it's probably a good thing that we don't remember all the suffering. Yeah, and it's not only so in this forgetting these these kinds of sufferings, it's uh, demonstrable. So before I begin my story, let me share with everyone what I witness every day. And although it may at the onset seem an uninteresting fact, it holds a great deal of information for those who are using homeopathy. So I'd actually like to share a little something on the subject, on that particular subject, the subject of memory. And in particular, memory of suffering? Yes, that's exactly it. On the subject of the memory of the suffering. And so on a day-to-day basis, I speak with clients and students, and they report that they or their loved ones are very much better, of course, after using their homeopathic medicines. But there are also those who tell me they are no better after taking the remedies. We're, of course, discussing more chronic conditions here, not an ear infection or strep throat. So let's stay with the chronic idea for, for a while. The first thought might be, when you hear something like this, I'm no better, is that the remedies were ill-chosen. But homeopaths need to keep copious notes. And um, I always ask this person, if they're reporting, uh, when taking a case, to give me not only the symptoms they suffer, but to assign a number to each of them. So the person might report, I get headaches. And the question would be then, how often? And then you write that down, of course. How long do they last? And let's allocate a number to the pain on the scale of 1 to 10 so that we have a clear record of how you're suffering. This is all recorded in the notes now. Okay, on to the next symptom. Oh, you have anxiety. Yes, I have anxiety. How often do you get it? Um, I, you know, it, it, I'll tell you, I can, I can often read someone's anxiety by listening to their voice and demeanor. It's not hard to do this. So I might put my two cents in there as to how, how it sounds in their voice. So then we ask, of course, for the frequency and a number, again, on a scale of 1 to 10 of the intensity or the anxiety that they're suffering in numerical value. So the next symptom reported by the person is that, let's say, she's got arthritis in her knees. And you write all of this down, all the symptoms and all the numbers and everything? That's right. And on the left side in the margin, I'm writing um, joints. Now I write about knees. Or mind. I'm writing about how her emotions are. Or Um, sinus issues, and I'm putting that in in the sinus category so that I can review it quickly in my notes. Otherwise, when the assessment is made in two months after this person's been taking these remedies during that period of time, it will certainly be forgotten, or it will be muddled in our memories, and only the present sufferings will remain clear to this person. So the person might report that her anxiety is an eight on a day-to-day basis, and it lasts about three hours every night. 
all duly noted in the notes, mind you. Rarely is there only one issue. So they might also report, I have arthritis in my knees and the pain is every morning for about two hours. We must know how long that, that pain lasts, remember, folks, because next time it might be different and you have to have that comparison. Because if we don't know that, we don't know if it two is good or seven is good. So uh, the person might also say, I have food intolerances and can't eat gluten and dairy or else I get fatigue and bloating right away. Okay, now I have a fleshed out disclosure of the depth and breadth of the case. So when two months have passed after the person has taken the remedies, they report back. This is when we learn how the remedies have acted. This is when we did, it's the telling moment. It's when we determine whether or not we choose a different set of remedies or we stay with this. And invariably, most people don't recall what they experienced two months earlier. So if I were to leave it up to them to summarize whether they were improved or not, I would be left at the mercy of their memory. So when I ask, how are you doing? They might say, there's no change. I'm no better. But the duty of the homeopath the mother who's taking the case, the friend who's taking the case of the neighbor, is to go back and review what was happening two months later with perfect numbers and assessments. So we ask, what is not better? And now let's say the reply is, well, I can't eat bread or dairy or else I get tired and bloated. Well, of course, this is of interest. We jot this down too because we want to know where we're going to be from here next two months from now. And so again, it's jotted down to compare for the next time. Then it's the homeopath's turn. So how are your knees? Oh, oh, my knees are good. How about the sensations of angst? You know, the anxiety, is that still occurring? Pause. No, I guess that's gone. So the anxiety is gone, we ask? Pretty much. Well, I accept I did feel some anxiety before boarding a plane a few weeks ago, but in general, I guess that's better. So she had originally told you that she wasn't any better. Yeah, and now we're left with this, this information that we think, oh, no, I've done it all wrong. But no, with that information, certainly one would certainly be tempted to think that the remedies didn't act and would lead us to abandon them. And I believe it's human nature. I'm going to repeat this again and again to not recall all of our sufferings in detail. And when the entire constellation of symptoms is much lessened or removed, what remains becomes paramount. So we need to know that. It's very important. So what do you do next? Well, what remained was her food intolerances, right? And this is not surprising. It can often take many months, even as long as a year, to see remarkable results from homeopathy and rooting out allergies and food intolerances and such. This is not to say, though, that there won't be improvements here and there. But food allergies and general allergies, in general allergies are deep, often inherited and then driven in deeper with each transgression of antibiotics and steroids and um, allergy medications. But if we can find that the person whose complaint is of food intolerance has improved even in a small way, then we are likely to be on the path of correction. So then we might say, have you had any cheese lately? Oh, yes, I have. And has that made you ill? Well, I can get away with eating cheese about once weekly. But if I eat more than that, I get bloated. Lovely. Because last time you reported that every time you ate cheese, you felt swollen and bloated and couldn't even sleep. Now the person might respond, and I hear this all the time, really, I did? You see, the person is still sensitive to the cheese, but we're chipping away at the problem. Now some might find this is far too slow. 
but I contend it's better than any other method with which I'm familiar anyway. You know, I too had food sensitivities in years past and I could eat very few foods without sufferings, but today I can eat anything. And I've not taken remedies for food intolerances for a very long time, maybe even, I don't know, 10, 15 years or so. So homeopathy doesn't finish the job in short order or real quick is what you're telling us. Well, it depends on the condition at hand. If someone has an ear infection, of course, that's an acute, remember, and they employ Hepar Sulf, for example, every three hours for a few rounds, it's likely the pain will disappear and put the person right within about, you know, a few hours, 12 hours perhaps, sometimes much less, sometimes even within the hour. And why? Because the ear infection was short-lived. It wasn't inherited, it was caught, so to speak. It was likely a bacterial infection that was just founded. On the other hand, when someone has recently contracted food intolerances such as gluten or dairy, say within the last few years, it's a matter of drawing out a timeline and looking back at what may have triggered such a state. So what do you suppose, Jenny, might have caused this state of affairs? Well, from what I've learned from you today and in the recent past, I would guess that they took antibiotics. Well, that's often the case. Yes, it often will cause gut problems and gut dysbiosis. So then why didn't the round of antibiotics that they took 10 years ago not cause the same problem that the one they took a month ago caused? Well, yeah, that's a good question. I believe that it can be cumulative. I think the human body can only take so much, and perhaps for that particular person, one round is able to be withstood. But while more than one might be just one too many. I've heard you use an image of a bulldozer in relation to antibiotics. Could you tell us about that? Yes, I liken antibiotics to a bulldozer. A bulldozer goes into the virgin forest and it wipes it clean and then it exits. And now the forest has to start up on its, on its own again. It doesn't have the plants, doesn't have the trees that it had before. It doesn't mean that it won't grow again. Of course it will. We see little sprouts coming up within a few days if there's moisture and warmth and sun. Um, but it takes many months for a bush to grow um, and it takes many years for a tree to grow. And so all of that has to be reestablished. And even 10 years after the bulldozer has left, the, the land is still not virgin. It will take a long, long time for it to come even close to its original virgin state. Of course, it will, will never be considered virgin ever again. So it, it, once that bulldozer leaves, just because someone's not on antibiotics now or it only happened or it happened say you know five years ago doesn't mean that those antibiotics haven't changed the gut and creating something new it's always good to have the visuals and that does make it a lot clearer and that helps me to remember yeah I want to make it clear for those who are treating their families and those who are students of mine or those who simply use my blog from which to learn that you must always keep copious notes not long ones just detailed in the correct fashion. We must always remember the phrase, compared to what? How are you now? Compared to what? Now, you're not going to ask the person compared to what because they're not going to remember. That was your job to know the comparison. When they say, I'm the same, compared to what is what's going on in your mind? And the only way you can answer that is if you give it a numerical value, length of time, and, and space between each episode of that particular symptom. 
So because I practically guarantee if the person were to look back, they're thinking they have forgotten it. They often say it's the same. I'm the same. And when I when I hear someone say I'm the same, I say, tell me what you mean by the same. Now, most people think you're supposed to remember that along with them. Uh, but but we can't remember it. Even if we've written it down, we want to know that there's a change and they won't are the ones who are not going to remember it, generally speaking. The comparison aspect sounds like it is very key. Is that right? Yeah, it is. It's paramount, vital. It's the most important aspect of, of being the person who's curing their family. This is the place where too many become disillusioned with homeopathy, even other medical par paradigms as well. Um, thinking that snap and it's all done because even doctors complain about this too after someone's using a drug that sometimes they'll tell the doctor the exact same thing and the doctor's got to keep even though they're using drugs they still have to keep notes that determine how it was before and compared to how it is now homeopathy will take um, all their woes away but I don't want people to think that it is magical you must know how to approach the case how to interpret the remaining symptoms and assess their degree of change and help them help them recall what they were suffering with last time so as to match it appropriately. You know, remember, this is medicine we're talking about. Homeopathy is elegant medicine. It's efficacious and well-documented, but particularly in chronic conditions, it is not often rapid. For long-term illnesses, sometimes we must be patient. Sometimes we must be happy with two steps forward and one back. Even with this pace, it is a better stride, in my estimation, than drug medicine. Because allopathy doesn't claim to be able to cure gut dysbiosis or food intolerances and allergies. All they do is treat the symptoms. With homeopathy, it has a history of being able to do this, but we might have to give it some time. It sounds as though it's all about perspective. Yes, it is. And I use numbers to assess that perspective. So it was a nine in pain that lasted three hours and it was daily. Now it's a five lasting 30 minutes and it occurs about once a week. That tells us we're moving in the right direction and we don't change the remedies. We stay with them. Sufferers are not going to put it to you in that fashion. It's up to the homeopathic mom to draw it out and write it down. So we must also use our measuring stick that is in a macro way of viewing it, not unlike the commodities market. When we're in it, we experience day, uh, daily ups and downs, and we say, oh, no, it's going up. No, it's going down. No, we don't know what it's doing. It's not until you pull back from a distance and view it from a macro perspective that the ups and downs become less significant. And because, remember, we're always aiming at long-term resolution so we don't want to get caught up in the day-to-day, -day, oh, no, it's doing this. Now I'm doing that. Now this is happening. Give it a couple of months, and then you'll get a much, much better perspective. All right, I think I've got it. And in the beginning, you mentioned you have a story to share with us. Oh, yeah, yeah, let's get to that. It's, I went on and on, didn't I? It's a personal story that will help demonstrate something that I hope will help my listeners, our listeners, understand what to expect when using homeopathy. So here's my story. Many years ago, and this is a true story, I suffered from repeated sinus headaches. Never had any infections, just headaches. They were debilitating. No infections, just pain every time the barometric pressure made a change. Well, I live on the Great Lakes, on Lake Erie, and the barometric pressure, uh, the, the barometer changes nearly bi-weekly. So I lived with these pains nearly chronically. So I foolishly took analgesics, and after a while, they didn't help enough. 
I just wanted to live my life. And I, so I went to Canada. I'm right, I live right on the border of Canada and the U.S., where I could get over-the-counter products called 222s. They, at the time, I'm talking back in the uh, early 80s, or maybe a little later than that. They were, yeah, no, I guess it was the early 80s. They were not legal in the U.S., these, this, this, uh, this drug, without a prescription. So I'd scoot over the bridge to Canada, a stone's throw away from my home, and stock up on these little dolls, you know, reminiscent of Valley of the Dolls, you know. I thought I was clever to figure this out. Well, it turned out I wasn't in the least bit clever because the more I took them, the more I took them. I was becoming immune to them. And after a while, my stomach began to bother me, and constipation set in, and too many woes to mention here. So I decided one day to stop. Not just those, but stop everything. Simply stop. I recognized that I was pretty sick with the drug, and I was getting pretty sick with, I was pretty sick without it, just with a different set of symptoms. It was kind of like an epiphany for me. I was also taking other meds for other issues too, you know, Maalox because of what the drugs were doing and plenty of others. I'll admit it, I was foolish. Did you just stop the medication cold turkey? Yes, and I rarely do anything just a little bit, to be honest. I suffered for many year, months, even what, uh, what I'd, uh, might even close to a year, dragging myself to work with this awful pain, but at least having ceased the, one use, uh, the, the use of one drug. And, um, and the side effects that went along with it. Once you stopped the use of the drugs, did the side effects completely stop also? No, they did not. Parenthetically, I have to add that side effects don't just always melt away just because you've stopped a drug, you know. They can often and do become a permanent fixture um, in the body. Well, anyway, it was about this time that I had learned a little homeopathy and stumbled upon a remedy that is specific for the kind of pain I was experiencing in my face, head, sinuses. The pain was worse on the left side and actually began over on my, above my left eyebrow. And then it ra radiated and went across the whole front of my face. And I mean it radiated like a migraine-type pain across my forehead and then down um, under my eyes. Uh, and by the way, I don't know if I mentioned, I don't think I did. I had seen many doctors about this, and no one could help me other than just giving me pain relievers. Yeah, you hadn't told us that yet. Okay. Well, anyway, they were always eager to offer their advice, which was written on a prescription pad, of course. And at first, I always remained hopeful that this doc would find the answer to my painful head, but it took me years to get with the program. It took me an extravagant amount of time to catch on to what they could offer. And I finally learned they could offer me nothing but more drugs. And, uh, and I had had it with that paradigm by this point. So in one of my first homeopathy books, I read about a remedy called Cali Bichromium 30X. It seemed to fit the picture of the kind of pain I was experiencing. So I took a dose, and nothing happened. There was no change in the pain. Um, so then after suffering with the pain for another few days or so, I reread the chapter and kind of realized that you often have to repeat a remedy a few times for it to take effect. So I did that. And to my delight, it went away after about three doses separated by three hours between each dose. So it took a, a day's worth, but it went away. Now I knew what to take for each headache that descended upon me every you know, week or 10 days or so. But something happened. Instead of getting the horrible pain the next time the, the barometer changed, I became an expert on weather, you know, I might say, <laughs> because of this malady. I arranged my life around it. I didn't get a headache at the next change. And the clouds came through, and then they lifted to reveal the blue sky and the sun, and nothing happened. No pain. 
this was the first time I'd been out with been without this pain for years, ever since I had moved back to my hometown of Buffalo, New York. So did you get any other headaches after that? Well, I did. About a month later, uh, or something like that. Remember, this was, I don't know, 25 years or so ago. So I didn't, I don't exactly recall, but the, the barometer dipped and I got a headache. But this time was a little different. It was not as painful, kind of like a shadow of its former self, not as debilitating. But um, I took the Kali bichromium. Kali, I'm going to spell it again, K-A-L-I. I'm going to spell it for the first time, K-A-L-I, bichromium, B-I-C-H. And sometimes it's shortened just B-I-C-H. Uh, bichromium, B-I-C-H-R-O-M-I-U-M. I'm just doing it off the top of my head. 30 again, and it was the 30th potency. And while I was waiting to take a second and a third dose, I forgot all about the pain. It was gone with only one dose. And that was that. So what do you mean? It took away the pain then? Well, yes, but permanently. That was the last time I ever had a sinus barometric headache again. It, in fact, I've never had any kind of headache ever since that time. Not any kind of headache. So I can't even say that, well, it moved to another part of my head and, and it was dismissed for just, you know, for this kind of pain, but now it's that kind of pain. Never again. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, really, it is. A little $10 bottle of Kelly Bichromium 30 with a total of only four doses completely cured my chronic, debilitating, years-old, drug-treated, silly, decision-making, <laughs> around it, headaches. <laughs> That's awesome. And you could have avoided all those trips to Canada and to the doctor and everything. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. This is one of those gobsmacking stories. that. And now I don't want to give you the impression that this is what will happen to everyone in every case. After all, again, it's not magic, it's medicine in spite of the fact that it seems that way sometimes, and this one certainly seemed magical to me. But I want to remind people, homeopathy is honest. It's polite. It didn't hit me in the head. It didn't cause liver problems. It didn't get me addicted to codeine. It's unlike much of modern medicine that is beguiling, you know, leading us to believe that the steroids on the eczematous skin is an answer or that a child's fever requires an antibiotic or Tylenol. But I want to differentiate between a functional problem and, arch and an architectural one as well. That is, the architecture of my sinuses was intact. They were not distorted that I knew of. There were no growths as far as I knew. But what was occurring was that they were ill-functioning under the circumstances of weather changes. Now, my guess is probably at the same time, I had also, was also probably eating foods that were adding to this picture to a certain degree too. But it mattered not because it was completely done. Additionally, this illness was not a very old one. That is, it was not something that had plagued me since I was a child or that I had inherited, but rather only for about four years since I moved back to Buffalo, New York on the Great Lakes. In your case, if you had had to report to a homeopath what had occurred, you would have been able to remember the success of that remedy. Oh, there's no doubt. This was such a memorable, memorable event. I doubt anyone would be incapable of its recollection. And I hear this from clients and students on a regular basis. But had my results been less impressive, it would have been important that the homeopath had taken uh, uh, kept a record of how often my headaches repeated, how severe and how long long lasting they were, so that all the important comparisons could be made. And again, why is this comparison important, Jendi? <laughs> because it gives information as to whether the remedy is correct 
and needs to be used for a longer period of time or if it has to be changed. That's right. That's exactly right. So having said this, I've witnessed the same results in others with sinus pain on the left side that simply vanishes after using this remedy. So little to no investigation is even necessary in this particular case. So what if you have um, sinus pain on the right side? Will that remedy work? Oh, good question. Yes, but usually only if the pain begins on the left side or is above the eyebrow and, and is accompanied by tenacious mucus. Now, I didn't have the mucus, but some people do, and that's when calibichromium acts best. But there's also another remedy called sanguinaria, S-A-N-G-U-I-N-A-R-I-A, -I -I sanguinaria, and many others too. Sanguinaria happens to be one of the remedies that I choose that I find that works for sinus infections or post-nasal drip or other nose and sinus allergic conditions. And that is, it's a great remedy as well. And as I said, there are others, but these are my two top remedies specific for sinus issues. So to wrap up today's session, what are your closing words and how will you tie it all together? Well, some might say that this story I relay is simply anecdotal. And their aim, often when they do that, would be to make it sound useless or non-scientific, without merit, you know, uh, hence dismissible. And I say that to look at this kind of evidence dismissively is incandescently stupid. <laughs> this is how we learn every day, all day. We learn from others. We share our experiences. We pass along something that has helped us to, and others who can benefit. We lend a hand. So from my personal sufferings and triumphs to your hip pocket, I urge people to tuck this away to help someone who has sinus pain that either begins on the left side or even stays on the left side for someone who has tenacious mucus and is painful from the bar barometric sh uh, pressure shifts. Then if you find that this helps, pass it on to others. This is how we learn. This is how we do this. 600 million people in the world depend on homeopathy. Today there are 100 million people alone in India who depend on it and it is vastly on the rise. In fact it's said that it will double by 2017 in India. Is it any wonder that the competition is worried and coming out with their dukes up? Make note folks, this is the medicine of the future and I urge our, all our listeners, students, my clients and people who I will never meet or hope to meet, uh, make it yours and your future too. Thank you so much, Joette, for all your information, for sharing it freely with the podcast and all the information on the blog. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for doing this with me, Jendi. Thank you for listening to this podcast with Joette Calabrese. If you liked it, please share it with your friends.